So, Father God, we just thank you that you have uh, brought Lisa here today, that you are going to speak through her, that we are confident and we have faith that you will have something to say to us, a message for each and every one of us here this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you. It's good to be with you guys again. Uh, I think most of you know me. <laughs> um, but if not, I'm Lisa, and um, I work for a charity called Acorn Christian Foundation, and we train uh, churches and individuals um, in ministry skills for the journey of Christian healing. That's our new strap line, so I'm trying to learn it. <laughs> I think I got it. Um, but it's really good to be with you today. You can all hear me? Yes. <laughs> um, I believe you've heard a few messages on hope recently, so I'm going to bring you another one. Um, but this time I'd like us to be thinking about hope moving forward. Um, I think over Christmas time it's really easy and quite right to be reflective, and it's all about Jesus coming, which he certainly did. But actually I think we also need to take some responsibility in our own Christian faith, in our own lives, about looking forward. How do we find hope in our own lives? What do we need to do? And so um, most of you may know, um, I'm trained as a youth worker, um, and when you work with youth, you often give like a practical bit of a lesson to then um, take home, what are you going to do in the week with this bit that you've learnt at church on Sunday? And I kind of want to do that with us today. Um, I want us to be thinking, as I'm speaking, as, as we're hearing things, um, what is it I can take into the new year, into 2020, into my week, into tomorrow, into this afternoon, wherever you are, whatever bit you can just put your head around for now, what can you take from, from what you're hearing today and while you're with each other into the week that you're going into? So we're going to be looking at hope restored, if I can get the clicker, there we go. And we're going to look at a few different ways in which we can practically try and find hope, um, other than just um, sort of allowing the wonderful message of Jesus is coming. Um, we're going to look at different ways that different people have experienced hope. So we're going to be looking first at worship, and then we're also going to be um, looking at our own lives, and I'm going to just share a little bit about my own story and how I found hope. Um, and then we're going to be looking at what we do when we can't find hope. So we've got quite a lot to look at, so I'll, I'll get going with it. The first one is worship. Uh, field hollers. Has anyone ever heard of a field holler? We've got one. <laughs> um, what about spirituals? Yeah. We're getting there. Blues? Yeah. Yes. So I don't know if you know, but blues originated from spirituals, which originated from field hollers. So field hollers were what a lot of the slaves, um, mainly in America, the black slaves would have been singing while they were out in the fields and they were pretty oppressed. They would sing these field hollers. They would go around the fields and this song or songs would just start going and getting louder and spreading. So then spirituals came out of that, which is sort of the old gospel music that we hear quite a lot. Really loud, really like vibrant. And then blues came out of that. I am a big fan of blues. I love blues because it has so much soul to it. Does anyone else really like blues music? A lot of the time it can be about losing your woman, which is a little less spiritual, <laughs> but there's still some heart in that <laughs> and it comes from a place like a deep place blues does and I think that's why I so love it because there's something about it that you can connect with 
Um, so let's just have a quick look at how the, the blues and the spirituals, if it's going to work. Sorry. Don't worry if it doesn't. <laughs> okay, don't worry. This was a video where <laughs> it was actual footage um, back years and years ago where um, a lot of people, this lady, for example, um, they were slaves in the cotton fields and church was a place where they would go to be restored, to have their hope restored. And I've actually got some quotes um, of what they were saying in the video. It was a hope for the future, these songs that they were singing, going, going through the oppression they were going through. Hope that there would be a better day coming than what they were experiencing at that very present moment. And I'm sure we can all relate to that, that we've, just, we've hoped for a better day than what we're experiencing today. Another one is music became a vehicle for liberation. So I was asking myself with these spirituals, what was happening? Like what was it about singing songs that was causing liberation, that was helping people actually feel as though there was a better day to come. Because if you think what those people were going through, they did not have a life of their own. And they were, they were victimised, really. But singing these songs, they were able to see some light. So I, I was trying to ask myself, what, what is going on here? How can music, how can a song do something like that? And I started to look up music. What does music do? Um, it reduces anxiety, blood pressure, pain in your body. It improves your sleep quality, memory, and mental health. Did anyone know this? All the singing fans probably are like, yes, of course I know this. <laughs> but I just thought that was incredible. But actually, then I started thinking, but no, there's something more going on. Because yes, this is fantastic that music and singing can help with all these bodily functions in our minds, but actually can, can that bring you hope in what is probably the most darkest time of your life, singing a song? And it just made me suddenly realise it's, it's not singing, I think, that was actually relieving them and bringing them hope. It's what they were singing. It was the words that they were singing. truth, what they believe to be true, things they've read, things they've heard of scripture, of God. Nobody knows the troubles I've had. Nobody knows. We all know that one, don't we? Nobody knows but Jesus. So it's, I don't think it's necessarily the fact that they were singing. I think you could speak these things out loud and it would still hit you in your heart and your soul because it's the truth that they needed to hear. It led me back to the Bible, the promises that have been made by God to us as his children, his beloved. Words of assurance, love, freedom, guidance, protection, liberation, grace, all really life-giving, hopeful things. 
And these were things that they were being promised, that we are still being promised in times where we feel oppressed. I was encouraged and amazed that the words being sung could carry people through a hopeless situation. And it actually challenged me a little bit for the new year, this, because um, Dan and I yesterday were talking about what our New Year's resolutions will be. I never really make any, (laughs) because I I don't know why. Um, And I suddenly thought, actually, I, I want this to be my New Year's resolution. I want to start speaking out the hope that I have already had spoken over me by God and by other people who, who are close to me and love me and do away with the moaning and how things are so tough. Yes, things can be tough. Things can wind us up. People can wind us up more than anything. But actually, there's hope, which is greater. And so that's what I've chosen this year. And I, I do encourage you as you go into 2020 as well, or just into tomorrow, because it can be quite difficult, to start actually speaking out those hopeful things that God has promised us that are in the Bible, that your friends speak over you. So I just want to tell you a little bit about um, my um, story, I guess, like a bit of my background. Um, when I was about 14, I think, um, I was diagnosed with depression and obsessive compulsive disorder. And it was really like, um, well, it just pushed you down. It oppressed me. It was a really, really bleak time. And um, I started coming, re- I mean, I've always come, always come to the church um, as, a, as a young person, as a child. But I started attending the youth group regularly. And um, our youth pastor would read, bi- read the Bible to us, lead us through Bible studies. And I'd never really been interested in the Bible. It just, it just seemed a bit boring and old to me. Um, but as I was being led in these um, Bible readings, I felt like I really connected with the stories that were being told, with the people I was hearing about. Um, and then, sorry, my alarm's going off. When I, um, when I was baptised... I got my own Bible. It didn't have any pictures in that one. I think we got a picture Bible when we were little. But this one didn't have any pictures. And I started to think, wow, this is actually something really special. Because I'd already heard some stories read from it when we were here at church. And then I started to open it up for myself and read it for myself. And I just completely connected to it. And I started to treasure it in a way I'd never had before. And although my depression seemed to be getting worse um, and I wasn't able to go to youth group as much, I wasn't able to go to school as often or college, um, I still had my Bible at arm's reach. That was what was always there when I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. This was by the side and I I was able to open it up and just read a passage and ask God to speak to me through it. And so I've always treasured the word of God since that moment. I feel like it understood me. I know that sounds really weird about a book, but I felt like what, what I was reading, it understood me. It wasn't that I understood it. And every time I felt like I was in a really dark place, I could read this and I found hope. And it's not that it started to make things... I didn't start to understand everything I was going through. I didn't start to understand what I was seeing in the world, which was just crazy. Um, but it did start to make a little bit more sense. It started to help bring hope and light into the situation I was in and in the situation that other people I know was in as well. 
I realised I couldn't answer for what I was going through or what other people were going through, but I was getting hope restored. And there's this amazing verse, Romans 5, 1 to 5. It made me realise also that what we go through isn't for nothing. It doesn't make it easy to understand when we're suffering just because something in the Bible says it's okay, but it actually made me realise there's, there's a bigger picture than what I'm experiencing right now. And so it says, therefore, since we are justified by faith, all the blue bits are like the love it bits, justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And it doesn't stop there. And not only that, so not only justified by faith, we have peace, we, we, we've got grace, we're standing in grace by the, you know, the love of God, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Just letting that settle. Hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. So what, what I was going through, what any of you guys are going through today, or you've been through, or you feel like you're going to face, God's hope does not disappoint so I encourage, lean into that hope. Ask God, show me that hope that you're talking about. It's okay to get a little bit angry and stomp my foot. God, show me this. Because a lot of the time we don't feel it. But I think a lot of the time we're just waiting. We're just kind of sitting there like, well, I know that hope's there. And it will come. A bit like, we, you know, Jesus is coming. Actually... Step in, you know, take a step and say, I'm going to find that hope today. Because we all, we all need hope. Most famous verse in the Bible. We won't perish. We'll have eternal life. And that is for everybody. We are all loved. So the other bit that I um, have found hope in in my story are the two amigos. <laughs> So there's, there's me, there's Isla, and my brother Nick, my absolute best friends, and they have been, always are, a rock. Um, and I've really learned that fellowship is a real um, giver of hope. Us being here today, that's such a sign of hope that we've chosen to come together on a Sunday, the least attended Sunday in <laughs> December, because we're looking for something together. We're on a journey together. We've got a longing in our hearts for something. And I don't know if you know who Job is. Um, he's that guy, I think, who we all know them in our life. It's like, oh, there's always something wrong with them. There's always there's one thing after the other, and all they do is moan <laughs> and groan. He's that guy. He had so much stuff thrown at him. I don't blame him for being a bit of a whiner. But he, he just had such a hard time. And where we um, see him in this story here, in uh, Job 2, he, um, he is just having a rough time. And he's got, it's not just like, oh, I'm having a really hard day. He's got sores all over his body, from his toes to his head. 
um, and he, he is not having a good time. But there's hope. We read here from verse 11, Job's three friends. And I'd like you, if you've got friends in your life, which I'm sure you do, just bear them in mind at this moment. Now, when Job's three friends heard all these troubles that had come upon him, each of them set out from his home. Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Naamathite, they met together to go and console and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they didn't recognize him. They raised their voices and wept aloud. They tore their robes and threw dust in the air upon their heads. They sat with him on the ground for seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. I wonder what consoling looks like today, comforting a friend looks like today. It might be taking somebody out for a coffee. It could be putting your arm around them, patting them on the back, <laughs> assisting them in a situation, you know, like taking somebody to the doctors, being with them there in that moment. Could be praying. And in this case, they expressed pain, sorrow, anguish at the sight of their friend. Then they sat with Job on the ground for seven days and seven nights without speaking a word. Is that something we would find easy to do if somebody was hurting? Just, let's just sit here, guys, quietly. Funnily, it is something I've started to learn to do. Uh, I don't know if you know, but at Acorn, we train people in listening skills. And one of the things, it seems bizarre, is you just don't say anything when somebody is talking to you. So you get a 30-minute slot, and you, they can just either sit there in silence, or they can say to you whatever it is they want to say, but you don't say anything back. It might be that you feel a prompt that you should nod your head, or you know that sort of thing. But it feels really awkward, but actually it's so healing for the person who's being listened to, because they are being listened to. And I love that in, in this story, I really feel like they're just listening. They might not know that they're doing it, but they're either listening to what is going on in the surroundings, or they may be listening to what God might be doing in that moment. And I just wonder how they all felt at that moment. How did Job feel to his friends being like that with him? I like to think that a little, a little bit of hope was restored for all of them in this moment. And even though when um, they do start talking again, Job goes straight back into his old ways. He basically curses his own life and God and is just like, I hate this. And then his friend comes in again and it is quite literally like, a word please, Job. <laughs> Which I love. And it actually, it just reminded me of like Nick and Isla, and I'm sure you guys can think of people in your own life who will come in and just be like, a word please. Do you not see? God is good to you. Life is good to you. Don't forget who God says you are. 
And that's something I think we should look for in one another. It doesn't mean you have to be best friends with the person. It could just be that us guys here, we're here together and we're here for each other. And that's enough. And I believe God does this today. He puts people in our lives to help restore that hope that we need. Either lifelong friends or maybe even just an acquaintance who you meet randomly. They remind us we are of immense value to God and each other and we have purpose. So I just thought it would be good to think, you don't have to actually answer, um, but who has restored hope in you? Maybe in this last year, the last week, who's restored hope in you? How have they restored hope in you? How can you restore hope in someone else? I'm sure we can all think of somebody that we know just needs a little bit of love, a little bit of hope in a certain situation that they're going through today or this year where we can step in and help them experience hope. Do you need God's hope? Is there something that you're going through? You may have thought, actually, I've, I've dealt with that now, but it's crept back up. And you realise, actually, I, I do need a bit more hope to get through to the next year. Or is there something coming up in the new year that you're quite fearful of? I know I am. I'm fearful, it sounds crazy, of just going back to work and experiencing all that that brings going into a new year, of a new year of change. It, it's not like this life-changing situation, but actually I do need to know God's hope going into that new year and knowing that he's got my back in everything that we're doing. Maybe a loved one has a life-changing diagnosis or you're battling mental health issues. You might have a health issue that's causing you distress and worry and it's just playing on your mind. Maybe you're experiencing grief or loss. A friendship might have broken down. Or you just feel stuck in a situation that you, just, you can't seem to get out of. You might feel lonely. That is such a big thing at the moment, loneliness. But there's hope, which is greater than all these things. But I do encourage, don't just sit there. Step into these ways that we can experience hope through worship. It's not about stroking God's ego, worship. He doesn't need us to be like, God, you're so great. Let me worship you even more. He's doing it because when we worship him, we come into his presence and we know his goodness. And then we start to experience the truth, the love, all these promises that we read about in the Bible. Maybe you need to find people or you need to reconnect with people who can restore hope in you. Today's a great way of doing that. Being here with like-minded people, people of hope. Or maybe we just need to pray. It's usually the last sort of option that we run to. I think prayer, it is for me, because it's so easy to just think about it in my head and talk to other people and moan about it than 
going to God and just saying, God, I give this to you. Um, But in James, I promise we're near the end, uh, James 5, I've just put in blue, I'm not going to read it all for you, but it is is basically telling us um, about prayer. And it says um, we should pray if you're suffering, if you're cheerful, we should sing songs of praise. It's still prayer. Um, If you're sick, pray over one another, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. That's something we do at our work very often we do weekly services and we always offer people the opportunity to be prayed for and anointed with oil we're told to do it in the bible pray for one another the prayer this is cool the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective so elijah was a human being like us and he prayed fervently that it might not rain and for three years and six months it did not rain on earth so it didn't rain which is what he prayed for but then what did he do anyone he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth yielded the harvest so don't just stop don't be like oh great this is now working out i'm gonna sort of pull back from prayer now because I feel I'm in an okay place. Pray again. Keep praying. Pray fervently. Keep doing it because it connects us to God. What if we can't pray? What if it's such a dark moment that actually I just, I can't. I can't find the words. I can't find the space I need. When I come to church, I don't want to come up the front. I don't want people to actually know what's going on in my life. So I'm not going to ask for prayer. Good news. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. So that's the Holy Spirit. That is God. He helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray like we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. I don't know about you, but I have felt that I've had sighs too deep for words in my life. And it wasn't until a few years after thinking, I can't keep feeling like I'm feeling, I was told by someone that the Spirit intercedes. And I thought, what? No, the Spirit, I don't get that. And it's actually scripture. I suddenly was sort of pointed to the fact that actually, no, Lisa, you don't have to take this on yourself. If you haven't got the words... The Spirit intercedes for you. And I I really believe that in that moment with Job and his friends, when they were in silence, the Spirit was interceding. They didn't have to say or do anything because God knows and he was like, I'll take over from here. And that's such a hopeful reassurance that we do not have to carry anything alone. So in our situations where we need to find a glimpse of hope, maybe you can think in your, in your own mind now what that thing is where you need to experience hope. I think we should ask ourselves, is there anything I can do myself? Tap into some worship, go meet up with some friends, like going down to the pub and meeting up with everyone. Maybe trying to read the Bible more. I know this sounds really ridiculous, but this is the sort of thing we do with the kids. Becky, you probably know. It's trying to pinpoint what is it I need more of in my life to find that hope. So is it reading your Bible? (laughs) Is it worship? Is it prayer? And if you can't do anything, 
just be open to allowing God to intercede on your behalf. Because sometimes worship is not the easiest thing to do. Some people really don't connect with sung worship. I know, unbelievable. <laughs> Some people really don't connect with reading the Bible because it's old. doesn't make much sense. Just don't like reading. Some people don't like being social. And we're really good at creating excuses of why we're not going to do something. So I'm not going to go to church today because I had a late night last night. I'm not going to read the Bible because I don't like reading. Or I'm not going to do work, I'm not going to sing at church because I don't have a very good singing voice. And perfectly valid excuses, but actually we're then depriving ourselves of the opportunity to receive the hope and the love that we so need at that very moment. Does that make sense? No. Yes. Yes. I feel like there was something quite important I should have said at the end, but for some reason I've ripped it off. <laughs> so I'm not sure what that's about, but I do. I just want to encourage you as you go into 2020, what is it? It might not even be anything that we've, we've looked at this morning, but what is it that you think, actually, I could do more of? So for me, it's, it's worship. And it's not necessarily sung worship, because I am one of those people who's like, I don't really like sung worship. I, I just don't connect with it in the same way I do when I read the Bible. But I can worship by reading the Bible, speaking it out loud, thanking God for the beautiful day. That's still worship. So I'm going to challenge myself going into the new year with that. And I do encourage you, what is it you can take into 2020 or even into tomorrow? You don't have to start with the whole year. Just take, what can I do tomorrow to restore that hope that I have already been promised? You're not trying to chase something that, it, you're not trying to chase something. That's the thing. I had an image at work the other day. We were praying and we were just asking God to like give us vision and direction for the new year. And I was praying and I had this really weird image of a pinata um, and it was just hanging off a wall. And all of us at work, we all took, t this was not real by the way, it was in my head. We were all having turns at just whacking this pinata and we were whacking it and whacking it. Maybe I should have brought one today so we could whack it. But we were just whacking it and whacking it and nothing was coming out. And we were getting like, oh, we just want it. We want whatever is inside. We want it. And we didn't know what was inside. And suddenly, like, God then just told me, you don't have to do that. That's not how it works. You don't have to be, like, fighting and chasing and trying to get from God whatever it is he has, that gift that he's got for you today. You don't have to try and fight your way into it. It's a gift. It's already there for us. So that's why I encourage us to maybe just take the step into it. And remember that even when we can't find the words, the spirit intercedes for us. We might not have to do anything other than just sit in silence. And so I think now, if all goes to plan, we can all just sit and reflect and ask God, what is it, God, that you've got for me that will restore my hope going into 2020?